Hey everybody, I'm Brandon David and welcome to Investing in Canvas. Another great episode this week. We've got software platform Distru and the CEO Blaine. Uh, yes, we talk about software and how he sets himself apart from all the other uh, softwares out there, but it's probably the most actionable episode we've had in some time. We talk about specifically how to do customer development and how he grew his business. He was making 30 to 40 cold calls to operators every day in the beginning to learn. Uh, we also talk about how his whole team is remote and he gives us some tips on there specifically about Slack, which is really interesting, how to limit your time and attention to Slack. Very, very important stuff there. Uh, and whatever he's doing, it's really working. Last year, $700 million passed through his platform in the cannabis industry. So growing very rapidly, one of the real players to pay attention to in the industry. Uh, he's a big fan of the show and he was nice enough to give me some real feedback on the show and what we should do that's kind of rare for us. So special episode for me in particular in that way, guys. Uh, you're really going to love it. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Blaine, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Destru is a name that a lot of people know, been around for some time. But uh, let's just get started on an easy one. What is Destru? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, Distro is a software platform for cannabis distributors and manufacturers. Uh, we are powering the supply chain of the cannabis industry. Uh, mm -hmm. So we focus on, uh, yeah, the center of the supply chain. Got it. Um, unpack that a little bit. There's a lot of companies, some of which have been on this show, that have a similar goal, similar mission, if you will kind of place yourself either with features or whatever in that landscape. If you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you could frame that like LeafLink is doing that as well by connecting brands and retailers. So how we're helping power the supply chain uh, is with essentially an ERP. We help you manage your entire operation end to end. So imagine a company that's buying their trim and their flour, making pre-rolls, making aids, making bake cards. Uh, then they're putting in multiple distribution warehouses. They need to fulfill in NorCal and SoCal. Orders come in, they deliver it, they track the delivery, they report on all their sales and production, and they integrate with accounting. We cover all that end to end and integrate, most importantly, with Track and Trace, uh, the metric platform. Mm -hmm. Got it. But you had a kind of a different angle going into it. I mean, you started on the distribution side, kind of why was that entry point? And then, you know, at what point, what was kind of the lever to say, we've got to help other people too. We've, we've got to broaden the suite here. Yeah, I really think that it came down to just our customers. Uh, I mean, over 50% of our customers are manufacturers as well as distributors. Uh, they have a ton of distribution needs, but then they just start asking you for, hey, can you also cover this? Uh, so it was really a natural pull. Got it. Well, that's classic startup, right? Listen to your customers, iterate quickly. Um, take me back a little bit. When did you found the company and why? I mean, there's any number of softwares you can build in the world, right? Why, why this yeah. one? 
Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I'm a builder and a hacker by nature, uh, mechanical engineering degree. And I mean, I've been building startups, if you want to call them that for a long time. I like to call them projects. Mm -hmm. uh, so built a music festival thing and built a festival subscription box after that startup thing failed for two years and then did another product and another product. And uh, how I got in the cannabis industry was I built a hardware product. Mm -hmm. So I built a, uh, it was a vacuum chamber to make shatter. Okay. Um, that failed, uh, but I was still so enthralled with the cannabis industry. And what year was that? That was 2014. I started that and okay. then I shipped it and failed miserably on Indiegogo uh -huh. in 2016. Uh-huh. Got it. But I'm sure you learned a lot from that process. And through that, you discovered there was this opportunity with software and distribution. Yeah. So actually I went to a conference to check out the other equipment that was competing with what I was making. And I saw this giant, like $50,000 extraction equipment. And that instant I knew I was done with the boulder. Like I like literally that millisecond because <laughs> I'd been in Minnesota. So uh -huh. I'd been in Minnesota oh, where there's no industry. So I thought this was brilliant. And turns out I was building a product for uh, the wrong market. Uh -huh. <laughs> Got so it. I found out about the Macursa law there, which was the first state requiring distribution. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a huge deal. Um, I mean, distribution is going to be the driving factor for growth for the entire industry over the next 20 years. I want to be involved with that. I mean, I love the industry. I think that's a huge like, uh, pin under that. And uh, honestly, I was out of cash from all my startup ideas. So mm -hmm. I had to do a software idea. So I, <laughs> I literally had no options. So I, I was love, like, I love that. <laughs> okay, we're making distribution software. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, how does one undertake that? Like you found some potential customers, asked them a lot of questions. Like what was the first stages of, of this? Yeah, just calling. Yeah, just calling, calling, calling. Uh, I think I did like a thousand plus phone calls to cannabis operators. So I, did, I tried to do 30 to 40 a day mm -hmm. um, and just talk to people. And I launched a landing page every week. So okay. I launched Canalander, which was a landing page generator for dispensaries. I launched Canna Doctor. I launched like a Canna, a bunch of things. Because um, I, I didn't know that a CRM or an ERP was the right build. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how distribution would manifest. Yep. So uh, through that iteration, we landed on uh, a CRM. Mm -hmm. So it was a way for distributors to provide them a tool for the sales reps to go door to door to the dispensaries. Yep. And that was just what resonated with the people we called. Got it. And previous to that, they were using Google spreadsheets, most likely. To, yeah. to do that CRM work, right? I mean, they weren't like buying expensive instances of Salesforce and customizing them. That, that wasn't an issue for you upfront, right? Yeah, no, they were super unsophisticated. To be honest, we were calling the wrong operators. Like looking back, I got in touch with a lot of people that I don't think were giving me good information. Uh -huh. um, I wish I could have somehow like just talked to like you or something and like had you connect with the right person that would yeah. have shortcut a lot of those phone calls. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah. You learned a lot. You're here now. Um, so as a pure student of distribution over the time, over the period, short period of cannabis, how do you feel now? I mean, have we gotten it right? What have we gotten wrong? What, what would you do differently distribution today? 
Distribution. I mean, I think it's a tough game where you have regulators that care about making sure that the industry is not fraudulent and you have the operators that care about growth. Uh, there's a whole bunch of players. I think collectively the industry and including the government for the most part really cares about the same thing and that's getting the great products that the cannabis industry creates to the consumer. Um, I think we're doing it fine. I think the I think there's only one thing I would change would probably be the taxes are a little bit too crazy. Yeah, that's my next question is, you know, how do we, uh, there's been a lot of different proposals as as to how to fix the, the taxation issue, you know, pushing it all to consumers at the retail level. Do you sort of have a theory about what would be better there? Yeah, I mean, I think cutting the cultivation tax, I just think it doesn't make sense um, from an operational perspective. Um, I don't know why they created that. I'm going to assume that it was some smart people that had a good reason. Um, You're nice. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I like to assume people are smarter than people give them credit. Uh Um, And I I would just say cut the cultivation tax and then just keep the excise tax and then just make it a reasonable rate that isn't ridiculous. Um, But if I had to tell the people to do something, I would probably push them to open up more retail stores before I did that. Um, that's probably the biggest problem in the distribution supply chain is the fact that there's just not enough retailers. Hmm. Like if we open up the retail market, everyone is going to operate better. Even though there's increasingly more delivery, you don't see that as adequate. Yeah. I think that that's a great stock app. No, it's great. Like let's definitely get more delivery going, but mm-hmm. I think still let's also get more retailing. What? Like, I think that there should be like 3000 retailers and how many is it at now? It's, definitely not even oh, close to 3,000. Yeah, not even close. A thousand and change, something like that, I think. Um, yeah. and, and a good portion of those are really small accounts, right? So um, that's tough if you're a brand or someone like you as well, kind of targeting who the right people are. Um, so one of the reasons that taxes continues to be this huge issue uh, is because it's, it's fueling the black market in a really kind of strange way. Um, and often we talk about the wonderful businesses and the entrepreneurs, investors on this show, but all of their work, I don't want to say is for naught, but is greatly handicapped by the fact that, you know, something like 60% of cannabis sold in California is from the black market. Um, what do we do about that? You know, I mean, where do we go from here? We have such a rich history of cannabis in the gray market or duty free market. What do we do? You lower taxes. I mean, you really can't do anything but lower taxes, uh, open up banking, just make the operators more efficient that they can just compete with the black market. Um, Probably legalize federally. Um, I think that if we get everyone to stop just thinking about their state and start focusing on federal legalization, when that happens, I think that the black market will dry up because the sales are not coming from California. They're coming from out of state. So if they can't buy... Um, like, you know, the big states like New York and all that, then they won't be able to fuel the black market sales that they're doing right now. Right. Yeah, no, that's a very good point is that a huge percentage goes out of state and is fueling Texas or New York or, I mean, any number of states, right? So it'd be really interesting. I mean, it'd be hard to get that data, but I wonder what percentage is going out of, going out of state. I don't really know. Um, so, Look, you started this company, what, a couple of years ago now, 2017, something like that. Um, 
tell me a little bit about the fundraising process. Um, and I mean, obviously the, the needs for a software company are less, which is one of the reasons you started this, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, how has it been? There's so many competitors out there. How do you sort of break through the noise? How do you explain that to investors? Yeah. Um, how do you break the noise is a good question. I mean, we have been trying to approach investors for a very long time up to that point and got very little uh, feedback up to that point. I, I, I'd say build a great business. I mean, when we, had, when we went out for fundraising, uh, we were highly profitable, um, mm -hmm. highly, highly profitable. I mean, mm -hmm. we had triple our burn in profits. Yep. Like that's amazing. That's yeah. That was why we got investment was that we were so lean, so scrappy and just actually making money. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's how you stand out. So a huge portion of that is sales, right? I mean, uh, at least in the beginning you were doing that, but how has that grown today? I mean, like that's the engine that's fueling all this. I mean, you can create a great product, but nobody buys it. Nobody buys it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think creating a good product though is still the focus of our company because uh, our founders are engineers. So we all think from a product perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really think when your product is good enough, it sells itself. Mm -hmm. That would be what I would say is referrals are driving our growth and just a great product um, and also great success, great success team. I mean, I tell everyone that in the company, it's yeah. product first, success second, then sales after that. Mm -hmm. um, I'd even debate if I really put success second, it might be like tied with first. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think a lot of companies sort of group those together. They're like success and sales kind of go together, right? Like the account executive, account manager, counterpart. But yeah, I mean, certainly keeping a customer is much cheaper than getting a new one, right? Yeah. So kind of interesting that way. And we don't um, have revenue KPIs on our success people. So they're not account managers. They are strictly there to support and make you happy. Got it. Um, and we've been pretty strong on that. Uh, hiring people from within the industry has been super effective to make sure they have a ton of empathy and just, uh, you know, make them like, wow, this is the best success team I've ever worked with in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and going back to your original question of how is that affecting sales, that is our leading driver of sales. Um, that, that is how we grow. From referrals. Yeah, referrals and communication, word of mouth, things like that, exactly. So there's not a big AdWords budget. There's not like a, are there other channels that are successful for you or you're literally just, okay, this shit works really well. Other people should use it. That, that's kind of how it's worked. Yeah, it was strictly inbound in conferences. A lot of inbound. Wow, okay. Inbound and conferences. Amazing. That's amazing. And to be that profitable without even really opening up the outbound campaign and engine just means if you're an investor, you're salivating over that, right? You're like, wow, we haven't even really turned on the faucet yet here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think turning on the faucet will be difficult though. And I did try to express that to investors that there, the faucet's a little harder to turn on in this industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I think that referrals and inbound have an outsized impact. Mm -hmm. So you, you really need that channel to be like 10 out of 10 for you to grow. Well, I think it, it brings up another interesting point, which is cannabis is a much more community driven industry than many other that you sell software into. And so I think that this is a generalization, but largely operators want to feel like you're, like you're one of them, like you're, you're part of the movement if you will, you know, and obviously you're young, you have a history with cannabis, all these things must be helping as opposed to, 
oh, I'm this, you know, private equity Wall Street guy that like just sees this as a huge market. Yeah. And, and there's no question that our team authentically loves the cannabis industry. I mean, sometimes our hires on our success team, our success team is, it blows my mind how passionate they are about cannabis. Like one of our employees, Angie, uh, she is one of the most passionate people I've ever met about the cannabis industry. The, the amount that she wants to give back to the industry and genuinely be there with these people and help them grow, it's just inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and I, I think you're right. That, that that love for the industry is exactly what makes them love you back. And uh, that's why we threw our Metric Master Series events, which was instead of just educating through a webinar, we wanted to get out there before the coronavirus yep. uh, and have everyone get together, talk about Metric. And those were such a huge success. Everyone had a great time, learned so much. And yeah, it was, it was really a big connecting moment. So one of the interesting things that I've found in startups that I've been a part of is, look, you became profitable very quickly, which is amazing and allowed you to raise uh, money, which we haven't talked about how much yet, but it's kind of irrelevant for now. But anyway, um, my, my question really is, when do you spend more in order to grow, right? Hire more people or whatever versus maintain that really long burn and profitability, right? Is that a, is that a dichotomy that you think about? Oh, yeah. I mean, all the time. Um, I mean, I'm obviously bootstrapped, so I, I probably am more conservative than most. Um, I do believe in getting the most out of every person. So I think being a little bit understrapped is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I think it depends on the stage. Do you have product market fit or not? If you're product market fit and there's competitors out there, I mean, you have to go into the blitzscaling mentality from Reed Hoffman. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. Uh, and like if we're, if we're making PayPal, like a marketplace type thing, you literally cannot afford not to grow at all costs. Yeah. Um, I think that at the stage we are at right now, I'd say that we need time to experiment more with our product uh, and we need that runway so we can give our engineers that breathing room to mm -hmm. build truly the best product in the industry. Got it. Um, give me some sense of scale. I mean, what are, what are the metrics or KPIs about your business that uh, I don't know, like say this is working? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the metric that I think is interesting that shows the impact we've had is we've had over $700 million um, per year passing through our platform. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's an awesome number. It shows that within just California, we have some serious volume going. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't wait to get that number to like one to two billion. Um, but yeah, I think that number reflects that we're doing something right here. And do you look at that number in relation to the market as a whole? Like, do you say, okay, we're getting X percentage right now? Yeah, I, it gets really tricky because there's a lot of transactions between distributors and manufacturers. So I'm not sure like, okay, there might be five transactions before it hits. Mm -hmm. So if you took like the retail volume was like, I don't know, it was like 2.6 something. So then you like half that for also say a 1.3, but then you assume like an average volume like, four transactions before it hits the market. So it's like four times 1.3. Mm -hmm. um, so 700 divided by four times 1.3. So that, that's our super rough math. Yeah. yeah, and data in the canvas industry, although getting better, is still a little hazy, pun intended there. Um, you talked about the team and sort of hiring from the cannabis industry. You're building a team in the Bay Area, which is expensive, right? Um, are your engineers there? Have you outsourced them? Talk to me about starting a company in the Bay Area. 
So actually, we are not in the Bay Area. Well, I, I am in the Bay Area. You are. We are a remote company. Got it. So uh, our CTO is in Canada. We have employees in Spain and Brazil. We have employees in Utah, employees in North Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, Baltimore, like they're all over. Yeah. Um, and it has helped tremendously on cost. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. my God, the yeah. engineering money saving, but then the quality of the engineer still is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and on the success and sales side, they do need to be US based because they actually do care about time zones. Engineers can work in their you know, bubbles for a long time. And that's yeah. fine. But success, we're hiring only in California or at least Midwest. Sure. Um, yeah, one of them's in up north, two hours from Bay Area. One's down in LA. One's in San Diego. Uh, they're all over. And as you continue to build, how many employees today? Uh, it's a 21. 21. As you increase that, do you think there's ever a reason to have a physical office for you guys to come together or a certain portion to come together? No. So as my team would probably know, I am probably the biggest endorser of remote culture. Okay. Um, I love it. I think that people that haven't experienced what remote culture can be like, don't, don't understand what it can feel like. I think now everyone's going through that thing right now, but yeah. even now as I watch people, they're getting on zoom. It's like, you have to have policies in place, like always put your video camera on like, and actually tell people like, no, do, like I will not allow you to not, not have your video on. Yeah. It's required. Like, I don't care if yeah. you're in your bed, look like a mess. I'll look like a mess. I don't yeah, care, who cares? but yeah. I need your video on. Uh, so I think it's those cultural things that allow. Give us some other tips. I mean, you're, you're living with this other day, have your video on. That's one that I really like too. either. We're going to have a call and no one's going to have video or we're going to have a video call and everyone's going to have video. Right? Like it's too weird. What, what else? What else are the policies? Yeah. Always have your video on is definitely the biggest one. I'd say write things down. So don't use Slack as this constant messaging machine. I hate it when it becomes this notification bot. Uh, we use discourse, which is like a forum. Yeah. So everything that re requires a discussion or a conversation is posted in there okay. um, or put in a wiki. That is huge. Um, other tip I'd say is create magical moments during the remote process. Uh, I, I think the one that hit me with remote culture and when I like flipped a switch was actually like a long time ago. It was when I was coding with this guy and then we hung out on a video call and he was playing guitar and I was playing a game and then we were coding after it a little bit and we hung on this call for five hours. And then I would hang out with him like that in that forum where we'd have our calls on for 10 hours at a time. And then I did that with my friend as well. And I got to the point where I would leave my computer on Skype and I would come home and he would hear my door open and he would say, hey, what's up? Because I got home. And I think that experience of feeling like they're just there um, is really important. So trying to create that moment for everyone is, I think, a big aha moment. Yeah. How do you think it changes hiring and interviewing people when you know they're going to be remote? Everyone that we hire, except for some exceptions from within the cannabis industry, uh, understand like remote or excited about it or eager for it. If you're not eager for it, we pretty much just like say, okay, that's fine. Goodbye. Right. Um, so I, I think that, that it's pretty much like a self-selecting process yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if I look back, the times I've been happiest was kind of like a mix. 
you know, when I had a job, it was like, okay, you can stay home one or two days a week, but we also come together for meetings. And I mean, I was a sales guy. So like, I'm kind of an extrovert to begin with. So, um, yeah, I think that mix is kind of nice, but certainly totally remote. If you can get the results, I mean, the cost savings are obvious, right? It's like, it's yeah. a big deal. It's a big deal, especially right now when there's probably a lot of people paying a lot in rent for their office and no one's using it. Right? I mean, I know you didn't foresee Corona, but it's just the truth. It's just the truth. Yeah. Um, how yeah. else has things changed sort of in this time? I mean, you're already remote. Is there, were you sort of Corona immune? I think we're, you know, fine. I think that definitely there's an uncertainty in the air. So I think that just, you know, giving them that room to be uncertain. Some operations have shut down of our customers, not mm -hmm. a ton. Um, some of our customers have huge spikes. Uh, so I think that it's just kind of like a wait and see. Maybe it's not the best time to sell and close a sale. Maybe right. they'll close in a few months. So, I mean, we're patient here. Um, you know, just time to build the relationship instead of sell them. Uh, I think it'll be a small bump distro on the long term yeah i think for everybody you know yeah. it's it's gonna be a a blip um yeah i mean i no one's wanting to sign huge contracts today i'm sure but for the companies that have survived the vast majority that have survived i mean your software is mission critical for them so like you know they got to use it <laughs> yeah we're not like seeing booms like maybe like apparently dutchy is like dutchy's like the online in-store ordering that's a great business to be yeah. in right now dutchy's been on the show before yeah uh i used to be a part of a company called on fleet which does all the logistics you know back end for a lot of cannabis companies and they're exploding right now <laughs> you know it's like they're really doing imagine. well yeah. yeah they're really doing well which is such an interesting part of this pandemic crisis whatever is like the cannabis industry, you can make strong arguments that it's been a positive for the cannabis industry. I, I think it'll be fine for the cannabis industry. I think the biggest thing right now is shop local. Like, please, everyone shop local. Like I go to only local restaurants right now. I try to buy everything local. Uh, the thing that's going to affect the cannabis industry is the people that get laid off and that don't get jobs that lose discretionary spending that go back to the black market or stop buying for stop buying as much cannabis. Mm -hmm. So support your local restaurants, support your local hospitality um, places by buying gift cards. Uh, that's going to be the number one impact there on the cannabis industry. And I don't think we'll know if that's going to affect us until we see the lift happening. Got it. Yeah, no, that, um, that makes good sense. Um, when you look at the business, aside from Corona, moving, moving on from that, what's kind of your biggest barrier to getting to the next, the next at least round or the next level as you, as you see it? There's no question my number one focus at all times is hiring the best engineers. Mm -hmm. um, it's not even close. Um, we take an extreme amount of time into vetting engineers. I mean, I think we go through an average of 150 interviews before we hire one engineer. Yeah. Um, and that is what will carry us. In my, that is the bet I'm taking, is that great engineers building a great product that is, is really complex, to be honest, um, will win the market. Uh, then after that, it's keeping our entire team connected. Um, and actually not from a emotional perspective, I mean, from a functional perspective of we need to build the best product and success. You're on the front lines, sales, you're on the front lines. How are you relaying that feedback back to product? Mm -hmm. Why did you say this? Why did you write, uh, 
this customer had a problem with uh, an invoicing feature, could you instead write it like the invoice, this is invoice bug one and we know what this is, please categorize it like that. Those channels back to product are so nuanced. Or, or take a screenshot, show me. Yeah. yeah. Reproduce it. Yeah. Make a report on it. Instead of presenting it as a little bug, make a whole report on this and get, like conglomerate all your feedback. So mm -hmm. that product feedback channel, I'd say, is my number one focus. I really liked your tips around Slack because, yeah, Slack, I mean, when it becomes that notification, when you put all the integrations in it, it just notifies you all day, like just constantly. Yeah, I used to have to turn it off when I was in a company all the time. All, all the time I had to turn it off, yeah. It's a mess, man. It's a mess. Discourse. Yeah. Check out Discourse, everyone. It's great. <laughs> you get a referral fee there? No, no just, I just love there. It's, it. it's a super simple forum, but it, it, it's like Hacker News level aesthetics. Um, yeah. But it's, it's great. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about integrating in software. Modern software requires integrations usually to be the most successful. And there's really two schools of thought here, right? There's some software companies that are set up from the beginning with really robust APIs and that's their whole business model. And then there's other kind of closed loop software environments where they don't want to integrate and both exist in the cannabis industry. Um, how do you kind of deal with that? Like, are there partners that you wish would integrate and just aren't there yet or don't see that value? How do you, how do you tackle that problem? Yeah, I think it depends on the integration. Uh, there's just so many. I think that there's the cannabis integrations and there's the non-cannabis ones. Mm -hmm. The non-cannabis ones, often we have to be the integrator. So like that's sure. your like QuickBooks, your ERPs, your OnFleets, which that's one I'm excited to integrate with. Yeah. Um, it just is what it is. You got to take the time and do it. That's underway. You're already talking to them or do you want me to? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can feel free to connect us if it help. it's helpful. I'm very excited to integrate. We're talking with Robert. I don't know if you know him. But. Robert got hired on the same day I did. We're very good friends. So. Robert's the man. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Robert. Yeah. <laughs> he knows his shit. He learned a lot about the cannabis industry, which is cool. Yeah. yeah he's here to learn about the industry, which I appreciate because he's going to understand what we're doing. Yeah. Um, on the cannabis side, I think we're all just in that position where we're all so strapped dealing with what we're dealing with, integrating with each other from the cannabis industry, like headset or retail integrations or LeafLink integrations. I think we're all trying to get there. Um, I just think that we're probably a year or two out from the holy grail of every platform integrates perfectly with each sure. other and all that. Well, and it's such a delicate balance. I mean, you have to do it based on what revenue is going to be opened up by by that integration right just because someone asks for it doesn't mean it's a good idea yeah and it's just we get so many integration requests it's ridiculous so it just comes back to that feedback channel that i obsess over which is like okay customer success you heard them mention quickbooks did you dig into that and say you know what how is your integration working per now what do you do i need all that detail that detail is the make or break on how you build things mm -hmm. very cool um, I want to shift gears a little bit, talk about you. Um, you're clearly so engaged. I would even say maybe like a little intense in your business, which certainly has helped you. Um, how do you think your employees view you? It's a good question. Uh, yeah, definitely intense. There's no question about it. Um, hmm, how do my employees include me? I don't know. I'd say... I usually like to just leave that up to them to say, honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't like to say it. I mean, you can read our Glassdoor reviews to get some words from them. Um, but if I had to choose right now, I'd say uh, passionate 
and I don't know. I just really care about them and they know that. Mm-hmm. They know how much I care about them as humans and how much I care about their personal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I deeply care for everyone's life journey on this team right now yeah. uh, and making sure that Distro is the right journey for them mm-hmm. and that it's setting up all of them for success. Yep. Um, I think that's how I describe it. Yep. Um, you're, you're really in tune with the feedback on product and features and bugs. Have you thought about kind of a system for feedback for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I, I probably ask for feedback too much. Cool. Um, yeah. I like, after every presentation, I always go to my co-founder, Johnny, and I'm always like, how would you rate that presentation? And he gives me a rating and a breakdown every time. Um, Amazing. Yeah. yeah, he's, oh my God, by the way, our CTO, Johnny, is incredible. He's 25, but so mature and intelligent and mm-hmm. thoughtful. Um, but yeah, how do you gather that feedback? I mean, you, you, you have one-on-ones that are open. To be honest, feedback towards me, it's tough. When you're the CEO, there's it's a power hard. dynamic there. Yeah. And the reality is that they're not going to give you raw feedback. Mm-hmm. That is the reality. And you have to accept that. So my workaround has been go to my founders that will give me raw feedback um, and then record conversations where I feel like I might not be at my best. And then I have an executive coach and they watch the video recordings mm-hmm. and then they go over them with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's hard to get pure feedback from your employees. I, I, I can see that wholly. I think that the ones that do it best just say like, look, I'm open to any problem or question that you have, you know, like this is no conversation that we have is a make or break moment here, you know? And, and I think when you ease that up, like you do get more, you, you do get more. Um, you're so informed about the canvas industry. I'm sure a large part of that's just from talking to your customers. How else do you stay informed? Is there something that you read every day? You know, maybe something beside the normal, you know, MJ biz daily or, or whatever. I, I mean, to be honest, the only content that I consume on a regular cadence is investing in cannabis podcast. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you to say, man. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Not even a joke, actually. It's the yeah, only, yeah. the only content that I think that every time there's a release, I always watch it. Oh, that's um, amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Well, in the spirit of feedback, then, since you watch all the episodes, give me some feedback. Everybody tells me how great it is. Very rarely do people tell me something new I should do. Yeah, let's maybe go for a compliment sandwich. Uh, so <laughs> I would say, uh, I mean, the guests are great. I mean, I think that you were early on in approaching the people that are actually about the technical side of the industry, the investment side of the industry. I'm glad you just focused on that. Like you put in some people that were like cannabis-y, like OG cannabis. I'm glad you just like stopped that and just like yeah. went all in on the direction you're going towards. Mm-hmm. Um I would say just get more real about the the tough topics. Like mm-hmm. I almost want to hear more authentic conversation about tactics for growth. Yeah. Um, sometimes we skirt around it as obviously we're trying to be political. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'd love to get a, just an inch deeper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I hear that. I increasingly try to go deeper um, and people increasingly have their sort of marketing like pushback answer, which, you know, is part of the press deal. Um, and it's how media works, but I mean, that's why it's so great when I have people like yourself on that are, that are really open and honest and want to talk about that kind of stuff. Because I think a lot of people 
they don't know how to talk about their inner workings like we have today. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's true. And yeah, I think the political side is really, really important though. <laughs> I think people are trained to be political in this. Yeah, this I mean, they kind of have to. I mean, also, it's kind of unfair to compare. I mean, you've started this business from day one. It's your baby. You run it every day. It's also software, which allows you to have a little bit more control. You know, if you're a hired CEO that comes in to run a, you know, uh, a multi-state, like it's just a different sort of job, right? You're hired to be political in a lot of ways. Like that's, that's your role, right? And your role is to move fast and break stuff. But you know, that's the kind of people I like in the world. Uh, cool that you like the direction that we've gone there. I mean, really we did some of the old school heads in a lot of ways just to learn, right? That was just like my ability to learn and, and gain some credibility um, in the industry too, by doing Debbie Goldsberry and, uh, Ed Rosenthal and some of these people that they were interesting at the time. Um, so running a business is super stressful. Um, every day there's problems. Your job is to fix problems. <laughs> it's a good thing you're an engineer because that's your job, whether you code or not. Um, how do you manage that stress? Is there something, do you meditate, yoga? I mean, obviously cannabis, but you know, how do you manage that stress? Yeah, yeah, I'm a regular consumer of cannabis. I smoke every night, yeah. um, so uh, that does help a little bit. I mean, working out helps. Um, I'm like off and on with that. <laughs> I have a dynamic relationship with if I'm working out or not. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have a dynamic relationship with meditation. I'll go on three-month binges, and then I'll stop. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is I really enjoy this. Like, I just yep. have a good time doing this. Well, that's stuff. obvious, man. That's cool, yeah. The chaos. I love the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this, is, this is what you're supposed to enjoy. Yep. And if you don't, you're doing the wrong thing. Go yeah, you a, should evaluate. Get you a should job. evaluate. <laughs> go get a job. There's nothing wrong with getting a job. You know, this shit isn't for everybody. And I think that's okay to realize, right? Like there's, so, there's this live or die feeling for founders and it doesn't always have to be that. Yeah. Nothing was as stressful as having an idea that never got legs. That was the most stressful thing. Yeah. That is so stressful. It's and exhausting. you went through a lot of them, right? Yeah. Like right. six years of just all failures. So yeah. like, to me, I think this is like more of a good moment than a stressful one. For sure. I mean, that's such a valuable lesson too. To There's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show, right? People that are thinking about getting involved. And it's like, it took you six years right? I mean, like that, that's real. And those six years, I'm sure part of it was fun for you, but there was a lot of it that wasn't fun, right? And, and I think that perseverance is, is so crucial. Um, any other lessons for somebody that's thinking about starting a business? I mean, listen to the reality of like all the other founders. I mean, look at Zuckerberg, even like people think Facebook's the first thing he started. I mean, he launched an app that had a million users in high school. Mm. Like what? Like, mm. okay, so the person that launched the thing that had a million users in high school ended up making Facebook. I wonder if that's a coincidence or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. uh, I mean, every story has way more on the back end of it than you realize. Um, yeah, advice, no one is an overnight success. That's just not how it works. Advice, follow your passion. I mean, isn't that for everything? Like, follow your energy. Not follow your passion, follow your energy. People lie to themselves about their passion. Um, right. People trick themselves into what their passions are. Um, where, where you get energy is, is where you should keep going. Right. What, what motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? That, that's really what you're looking for. Passion is this hard thing to quantify. And, and I hear that a lot. Follow your passion, right? It's very cliche. I think the follow-up question is like, if you don't know, 
how do you discover what your passion is? You know, or do you just wait? Does it just come to you? It's a good question. I think there is a sense of like, you kind of build that passion too. Like in high in college, I said, I hate coding and I never would code. And then like four years later, I only code. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a little bit of it is just experimentation, doing, building, trying things. Um, and when you're, you'll know when you're, you kind of, I kind of say, I think it's dangerous to say you'll know. You don't always know, no. You might do it yep. for a long period of time and then you know. So I think a little bit of perseverance past the uncomfortable point is important. But after you do it for like a while, like six months, I think you should know if it's giving you energy or not. Mm, mm. Well put. And, and test stuff, right? You know, it's okay to change. It's okay to get it wrong. That's the, that's the whole point. Um, well, I think that's a good a place to start to wrap up as any. I know you said you're always looking for engineers. Is there someone, some other way the audience can help you? I mean, are you, you know, are you hiring for anything else that you're looking for? However, however we can help you. Yeah, right now, uh, I think we're good on I mean, referrals. I mean, you can go to district.com careers. If you're, you know, looking for a role, we're always open to talking. Um, I say, how can you help me? That's an interesting question. Uh, I mean, I would just say to the industry that we're making cannabis distribution manufacturing software. And if you're a manufacturer, distributor, or a brand, or you're making any form of product and trying to get it to retailers, please reach out. We want to make the best product for you. Yeah. Um, so please work with us and we hope to give you what we say we can. At least you owe it yourself to check it out, right? Yeah. You got to yeah. know what all the options, that, that's why I used to tell people, it was like, look, uh, every software isn't for everybody, but you owe it to yourself to try and to check it. Um, yeah. Well, thanks, man. It's been great. Thanks for your transparency and honesty and the feedback. Rare that I get that. So I, I appreciate it, man. And thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, guys, we'll see you next time. Nice to have cool. you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me on.